you know, anxiety teaches our bodies to that something's wrong. We might need to reset. Um, but when it becomes overwhelming and depression takes over, it's. I think what I want people to know the most is it's real. Welcome to the Run the Race podcast, where we talk about fitness and faith on a weekly basis. You know, we all really need motivation, whether it's to lose weight or to get stronger physically or to get closer to God as we all seek purpose in life. I'm your host, Jason Dennis, a local TV news anchor, hoping to inspire you to run the race of life as we sit down with fascinating guests digging deeper into the mind, body, and soul. Let's do this. I hope you are having a blessed day right now. Again, thank you so much for joining us for the Run the Race podcast, episode number 17. We've got an exciting one for you as we have a guest on, a counselor, who's going to be talking about um, you know faith and fitness and mental health issues, postpartum depression, and when you really should truly go to a counselor. But also we're going to be talking about coronavirus because that's a big thing that people are anxious about lately and uh, dealing with that for sure. So we're going to be talking to her about that coming up later in this podcast episode. If you missed last week, we talked to a uh, Columbus, Georgia hockey coach, Jerome Boom Boom Bouchard, talked about fighting and uh, all other kinds of things in hockey and, and how he had a, a faith transformation in his life. So definitely check that out. He's Him and his team, the Columbus River Dragons, involved in some recent brawls and fights that have gotten some national attention. So make sure to check out that episode for sure. And then uh, you can find Run the Race anywhere on Spotify, Google Play, uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to it. Click on that link to subscribe and you'll get a notification when this comes out. Uh, hopefully we put out an episode about once a week. And uh, you know, this one, again, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, you know anxiety because it's an issue that a lot of people really don't want to talk about or, or maybe a lot of people have it and they it's kind of taboo. Anxiety really is your body's natural response to stress, uh, that feeling of fear, apprehension of what's to come. Maybe it's that you know start of school, going to a, a new job or interview, giving a speech, moving to a new place. All that, um, you know, th- that type of anxiety is really not pleasant, not fun at all. But it also, it actually can work for you. It may motivate you to work harder and do a better job. So ordinary anxiety, that feeling that that kind of comes and goes, it doesn't interfere with your everyday life. But if your feelings of anxiety are maybe extreme and last for months and months, interfering with your life, that may be what uh, experts call an anxiety disorder which is intense and sometimes debilitating. And it happens with adults. It happens with kids. Nearly one in every three teenagers will suffer from an anxiety disorder. And uh, one in 10 will have a major depressive disorder. So I thought it was an important topic to, to dive into because you know faith and fitness both can have a big impact on how you deal with that anxiety and that depression. Uh, I have a friend, uh, a talented young DJ named Morgan Taylor in the Georgia area here that I met years ago who uh, just recently, in fact today, posted on Facebook about some mental health struggles she's been having at age 25. So I wanted to read some of her posts. I got her permission to do this, but I thought it was really uh, well-written, well-said, so I want to read this out to you. This is from uh, disc jockey Morgan Taylor. She said, you've got to remember to breathe, inhale, exhale, breathe. Anxiety hit me. It's hit me before, but not to the point where my body would get go into tingles and I'd wake up in the middle of the night feeling like my mind was racing and my heart was beating out of my chest. Anxiety became a pillar to all my worries. Anxiety became a daily thing. I had to lean on God 
and breathe. Now I'm learning to breathe. I really am. I know working out keeps me sane. Thankful for that. I know my friends and family keep things in perspective. I appreciate your honesty so much. I started going to therapy, which, hello, we all got to go at some point. It's such a beautiful way to express your heart to someone who doesn't have a preface to your life. You're going to be okay. We are going to be okay. Thank you so much, Morgan, for your openness and your bravery to talk about that. She also has a new podcast herself uh, and uh, talking to uh, local musicians and some talented folks. So check that out, Morgan Taylor on SoundCloud. Now turning to our guest for today, Christy Hubbard, and uh, talking about some of those things that Morgan just mentioned about anxiety. Christy is a licensed professional counselor who went to the University of Georgia, also did some graduate work at Georgia State University. And she's married with a, two young boys, 10-year-old and a 7-year-old. And she has her own private practice, specializes in working in maternal mental health, but also deals with the well-being of couples, children, mothers, all kinds of folks. And uh, she has experience with Catholic Charities, National Certified Counselors. So uh, listen up as Chrissy Hubbard talks about some important issues today. Christy Hubbard, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, before I get into kind of getting to know you a little bit, uh, I wanted to talk about a subject that is kind of on top of mind for a lot of folks lately. Maybe they're anxious about it, is the coronavirus. Um, from a mental health perspective, is that something that, you know, when, when they have these fears going on in society, is that something a lot of people, you know, are concerned mentally about? And how do you, how do you handle that as just an average citizen? Sure. Um, yes, I see the fear is in my practice every day. So we're we're often talking about current events, and um, a lot of times when people are experiencing anxiety, this um, this type of um, news, um, the way that you see it in Facebook, when you see it on the news, and you're kind of flooded with it, um, we we all do this. We all become afraid, and we start to be very cautious. And there's a fine line between being cautious. And maybe it being intrusive and causing you not to be able to sleep and things like that. So there's a different degree of anxiety that could be related to things like this. Trying to avoid people or avoid doing things you normally would do, right? Right, right. For example, you know, maybe not leaving your house for a couple of weeks. Um, You know, my advice often is is maybe to minimize looking at Facebook or maybe minimize um, watching news articles or reading scary things maybe look at the positive part yeah go do something fun with your family yes yes <laughs> but wash your hands yes right? yes wash your I, I hear it's now it's 20 seconds so you sing happy birthday twice I guess is the new rule I think so there you go oh I wanted to get to know you a little bit with our fast four that we traditionally do kind of a rapid fire so first of all Christy what is your d- job description at work and also job description at home? I think it would be maybe just to put it simply a helper. I think I'm a helper um, at work. I think I guide and lead. Um, I think that I do that with my children as well. And even as a friend and a child and um, also as a mentor too. So I do this as a therapist every day. Yeah. And busy at home because you're married and you have a seven-year-old and a 10-year-old. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I like to say that I've, I'm kind of out of that, those tough years from zero to five. <laughs> I always tell women they can breathe once their youngest becomes five. Oh, then the teenage years are coming. <laughs> so be careful. Right. All right. So um, how do you stay physically fit? I love to do um, kind of team sports. I love tennis, and I like to be in yoga classes, and I love to walk. And I usually like to walk with people. 
said. All right. Um, do you have a, a spiritual motto or perhaps a favorite Bible verse for you? I do. I, do, I think I live by the spiritual model is I believe that um, one person can make a difference. I often think about that in relation to even just humanity in general and just thinking about Jesus often and relating that grace and trust and um, truth and being real. And then the last one of the fast four is what is something unique about you? I think it's my empathy. And I think that just being able to identify with my own struggles and moving forward with that and understanding maybe where people are and what they're experiencing and having grace for that and understanding. Yeah, yeah. Empathy for sure. And we're going to talk about some of your uh, personal story and and you know stuff you've overcome and later on in this podcast. But first of all, I wanted to talk to you about how you know anxiety and depression is such a big issue, a mental health these days, and uh, it's something that we talked about how a lot of people don't talk about it. Um, so, are you and other counselors are you seeing uh, you know a growth in this and these days? And, and what are some of the maybe the the signs and red flags people should look out for? Sure. Um, yes, I think I see. I'm seeing right now more anxiety. Um, and what I do since I'm working with women in such a specialized area. Um, and I think many of the red flags are um, many women will tell me or, or men that they feel like they're going crazy. They're not feeling like themselves. The intrusive thoughts, the worries, the um, kind of even the flashes and the panic attacks. Um, there's, there's often having that physical sensation to anxiety. And not really knowing what that is. It's, it's confusing and overwhelming when everyone in this world has anxiety. No, no one lives without anxiety. And anxiety can be good. You know, anxiety teaches our bodies to, that something's wrong. We might need to reset. Um, but when it becomes overwhelming and depression takes over, it's, I think what I want people to know the most is it's real. And at one point in someone's life you may experience it but it's almost like respect people get to know people understand where they are and be start to become curious about people and you know do you is there any kind of red flags or signs people need to look for if maybe for a family member or or a loved one that maybe it's where it's getting out of control yes um um, the area of um depression isolation Maybe a, peer, a person may have been really talkative before, and you might notice that they are not talking as much. Um, it, you can also look at just their physical being, weight loss, not exercising, um, not doing things that they used to do, maybe having more negative self-talk than positive self-talk. And, you know, is the, I know obviously there's medications, antidepressants mm-hmm. and things like that that can be used to, to help treat anxiety or depression. But um, are there other other treatments that uh, have shown success in the past or that you've seen? Sure. Medication is a great tool, but I also believe, and so do many um, doctors and um, psychiatrists believe that you should couple that with some kind of therapy, some kind of talk therapy, psychotherapy. Um, Cognitive behavioral therapy is really good, and psychodynamic therapy is also very Helpful when you can look at the past, maybe your childhood, and understand when life transitions come up for you. You can kind of go through different patterns in your life and begin to understand maybe why we have certain belief systems and thoughts. Um, Many times it's linked to this thought in our heads that we're not good enough. 
And a lot of people may be scared by, you know, going to counseling or maybe they've never done it before. They hear things like psychodynamic and they're like, whoa, that sounds like I don't need something like that. So how do you, you know, there is there a fear factor about going to therapy, you know, especially if people have never gone before? Yes, yes. <laughs> it is one of the bravest things I think people do. Um, and I often tell, you know, my patients this when they walk through the door that they've made the first step. It is a very difficult thing to open yourself up to a human being that you've never spoken to before. The one good thing about it is, is we're required by law to have confidentiality. So it does kind of give them that, that safe place where they've, where they maybe have never experienced that before. Like someone being a true vault with their feelings and emotions, but it's vulnerability is brave and strong and absolutely yeah it, it does take a lot to to say I need help right admitting that yes and I, like I said before I called myself the helper well it wasn't until I figured out that I needed help myself that I really really began how to truly help someone else absolutely um, and you know, uh, speaking of that, what are some of the personal experiences you've had? Because you tell me that, that you've gone through some healing personally. Tell us about that and how you have this empathy now for people going through maybe similar stuff. Yes. Um, I always say I live with less anxiety, right? Um, I think right after I have two children and after my second child, um, I stayed at home and I was so excited about it being a stay at home mom. But with that, became a lot of pressure, a lot of intrusive thoughts and a lot of scary thoughts of maybe something was wrong with him, maybe something was wrong with me. I didn't really feel like myself. There was a lot of weight loss and there was a lot of cleaning, maybe more so cleaning than I was ever really used to. (laughs) Obsessively, maybe. Obsessively. It was, I often laugh and say, I think if I could have gotten a toothbrush and scrubbed my baseboards, I would. But it didn't really fit my flexible, spontaneous personality. But what's interesting is I tried to hide that from everybody. I didn't want anybody to see that that part or what was going on. I wanted to be, you know, a good mom. I wanted to be good enough. And it took it took many kind of years to understand like what's what happened during those times. But the struggle led me to go back and finish my clinicals. Um, as a licensed therapist, um, something I had kind of put on the shelf and said, I'm not going to do this right now. And um, I, th- I really felt like God led me back in that direction. Yeah, because, you know, I guess we get through your own issues mm-hmm. um, after having kids, you, I guess, felt like, well, I now I know what it's like. I can maybe try to help others, like you said. Yeah, yeah I figured out real quick, it's the hardest job you'll ever love. <laughs> That's very good. Yeah. Very good. And uh, you were talking about how, you know, God led you back to that. Um, you know, faith, religious beliefs are a big deal for a lot of folks. Um, so um, what role does that play when it comes to conquering anxiety or any other mental health issues people have? I mean, is that people really lean on their faith strongly? Uh, I think we could probably take people as individuals, right? And um, I do personally believe that it was a healing factor for me. Um, I, I do have a personal belief that you have to believe in something, um, something bigger than ourselves, um, a connection with love and God. For me, I, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he helps us. He holds those pains and he holds those burdens for us. And it's very comforting. And I see even with working with different people and different faiths that um, many times when they can connect with that, 
um, uncreated power. They can understand that we are living in this world for more than a purpose. We're here to be kind and loving and gracious and to be vulnerable and share ourselves with the community. We're actually created to be a part of a community, not necessarily um, by ourselves and doing everything all by ourselves. And there's the power of prayer. A lot of people, you know, whether they, they pray and, and for healing for themselves or maybe family members praying for them as they're going through this, you know, tough obstacles of anxiety and depression, right? Yes, yes. And I think that is, it can be a benefit, but also when someone's going through anxiety, depression, I often hear, I must not be doing it right. Um, and that's something that I do want to normalize for a lot of people in our community is that it. God is always there with you, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean we're not being good enough. We're not being, no one's pointing their finger at us. And I think oftentimes that can get stuck in our brains when we, um, when we ask for prayers and, um, for people to pray for us. So I think I heard something recently and someone said, even if a woman, and sometimes when they're in anxiety and depression, they're not their best selves. They're not feeling like themselves. So if people can pray for them, they can help that person by using their own faith during people's um, struggles and low times. Yeah, because sometimes people, I mean, they don't have maybe the self-confidence or they feel like, well, God's not answering my prayers or maybe not answering in the way or when I wanted him to, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Also, you know, this podcast is about faith and about fitness. So how do you, you know, how do you think, you know, fitness or exercise plays a role in uh, overcoming some mental health issues? Because I know you talked about doing yoga. Some people run as maybe as, as their therapy, perhaps. I mean, have you found that the exercise is a, a big component here? Yes, I think it's a large component. I remember during that time in my life, Stroller Strong Moms was actually a place that got me out into the community and I was able to even accomplish things that I had never really accomplished before, like running and doing some more intensive workouts. But I also recognize that sometimes you have to start small. Low impact yoga and walking is a really, really good step. And um, just finding what works for you. But fitness is really important, even if you can get out and walk with a friend. I think that's what, even if you have a young baby, you can put them in a stroller. Um, But trying to get out in the sunshine and working towards fitness and health is, is very important with mental health. And it's kind of a, a chemical or scientific thing too, because I mean, doesn't, I guess you hear about it releasing uh, endorphins, kind of happy thoughts. Is that something that, that there are studies that show that it truly does make a big difference? Oh yes. 20 minutes a day, get your heart rate up. And many times it does a lot of the same effects as some types of medicine does. So I think it's really important. And it's something that people could maybe encouragingly help people with, right? Maybe you don't have to do this alone. Yeah. And it's free. You don't have to go to the pharmacy to get exercise, right? That's right. It's free. <laughs> uh, you were talking about Stroller Strong Moms, which is uh, an organization here in Columbus, Georgia, but also nationwide with a lot of moms going together to do, you know, uh, strength workouts, walking, running with their strollers, and a lot of, a lot of military wives are involved in it. Um, and you were working, you've worked with them, um, you know, about postpartum related mental health, uh, issues and symptoms. So, um, is this an issue? A lot of new moms, I mean, like yourself, uh, they face and that they, you know, 
Um, is that a pretty common thing? It really, it's a very common thing. We have about 15 to 20%. And I mean, it's likely that those numbers are even more. Um, it's such a huge life transition after you have a baby that a lot of your childhood things start to come up and defining yourself as a new mother, a new father, even one out of seven men are starting to show symptoms of anxiety and depression, which makes a lot of sense to me because your life really has changed. And there's, there's ways to prepare for that, but nobody really knows what that feels like until, hey, your new baby's here or your second baby's here, your third baby's here, your fourth. It doesn't really discriminate about when this is going to happen. And, um, it's almost, this is the other thing I say, it's like a magnifying glass. Hmm. Like a, it just puts whatever maybe stuff that you've been dealing with and maybe you've been able to kind of hide them and put them away and maybe put masks around them. <laughs> During that stage of life, you have no sleep. You're not able to work out. Your body's recovering. Um, a lot of times there's loss in income. There's, um, you're passing sicknesses around you're in the house. passing sicknesses. <clears throat> they come home with all sorts of things. So it's just a season that I think you have to ask for help, and that's hard for a lot of women too. Yeah, and you have sometimes they'll have there'll, there'll be a husband there to help out. Sometimes there won't, or sometimes like a lot of times in the military, that husband may be gone for six months or a year at a time. Right? Yes, yes, and that's it's doing doing something like that by yourself with no community is very hard. And there's a thing that I guess um, you were telling me that happens, uh, I guess, around the nation, um, th- these climbs for uh, run walks um, to help with uh, these uh, postpartum mental health issues. And there's going to be one, a climb for Columbus, Georgia run walk. Is that right? Yes. Yes, we do one every year on summer solstice. And um, it's just the purpose is really to raise awareness and say, hey, you're not alone. And that climb is a very, can be very difficult And some people that might be there may still be in the climb, right? Like climbing out of a valley almost. And some people may have already seen the light. And um, it's just a really, really good way to almost even say, hey, I've been through struggles. Um, Struggles are just a real human um, problem. Let's talk about them. Let's start to be vulnerable about it so it doesn't, doesn't stay in this area of wanting to hide my anxiety or hide my depression. And, you know, when people are going through this climb and it can maybe take, you know, weeks, months, years for folks to kind of get out of that hole, um, you know, uh, they may want to talk to a pastor, uh, um, a spouse, a family member, or maybe go to a counselor. How do you really truly know who is the best person to go to? Because, you know, I know some, in some instances, therapy is what you need professionally, or sometimes it's a friend or a pastor. So is it kind of a, a mixed bag? It really is. It depends on that individual and what they want. And looking at the degree of um, uncomfortableness, for instance, some people, it's hard for them to even leave their house. So, I mean, you may need a person that can come see you. And a pastor is somebody that um, you may have so much trust with. So if that person really feels comfortable for you and you can be vulnerable and be yourself and really, really openly talk about some of the issues and maybe some scary thoughts that you're having, um, it's just really a positive place. Um, I would say husbands and friends, sometimes that can, it can be so supportive, but it's hard to get some real clear, maybe guidance because, you know, you're, you're 
involved in that situation. Yeah. So with a couple, you know, a lot of times a husband can be supportive, but he might not be seeing maybe all the signs and symptoms because he's in it himself. Yeah. And the spouse maybe is not, is going to just maybe tell, just be supportive, hopefully, or not. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe not tell the person what they need to eat, what, you know, the maybe the hard things. Is that right? I mean, is that something that maybe therapists do at times as a kind of, you know, kind of, it's this going to be a hard path. So we need to kind of get into the really messy stuff, right? Yes. Yes. I do. I do, I do believe in that. And I also believe with a therapist, it's important to ask a lot of questions and to have a good fit for you because not every um, person is going to be a good fit. Um, I'm not going to relate to everybody, right? Um, and not everyone's going to relate to me. So it's important to have that freedom and power and maybe invite your spouse to come along. If you're real nervous and you're anxious about that, have them come sit in the waiting room with you or have them come for that initial session until you can figure out if this is what you really want. And uh, what is that, I mean, a counseling session for those maybe who've never been before, um, what does that really look like? Because they see it on TV and the movies and like Frasier or something like that. So what, um, what, what kind of, you know, um, what does that really look like? Is it just you and the other person sitting on a couch together or, or across from each other, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, it does. It usually is in, a, in kind of an inviting environment, right? So it's going to be, you know, some soft kind of, um, maybe like a living room feel sure, and not so clinical. Um, the process can be very easy. It's, um, you have to fill out initial paperwork and talk about confidentiality, but the initial step is really building that rapport. And maybe that first session or two, you'll be asked maybe more questions than you're used to, which actually helps provide people comfort because many times they're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to say. Um, so I think that when a person is professionally trained, that they are going to guide you and lead you in the direction, but also letting other people that might be listening to know to specifically say what you want to work on. Cause therapy is about, um, the individual. It's not about, you know, what the therapist thinks or does. We are just there almost as a vessel, as a privilege, um, to be invited into your life. Um, so it can look like six sessions, maybe it could look like longer. Somebody asked me the other day, they were like, how long do you tell people this will take? <laughs> and I don't have that answer necessarily, but I do have truthfulness and I check in a lot and I kind of leave that up to the individual and I'm kind of, what'd you learn today? You know, was anything of value? Um, and kind of always ask those questions to make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And does it have to be the choice of the person that's seeking the treatment and then going to therapy and talking to the, the counselor? Do, do they have to choose or want to do it themselves? Or is it okay to like say, well, you have to go to this kind of thing? It works best if the person's motivated to want to come and to receive the help. Um, I think there are cases where... It, there might be, it might be necessary for people to seek professional help. Like if you're having really scary thoughts or suicidal ideations, I mean, call 911. And um, many times there are times where you really, really, really need that advocate to say, you need this. It is time. And you not, might not be able to trust that person during those times. Yeah. So we're, in a way, we're all a little lost. Um, but what I do see the most is not wanting to talk about it. You know, really not want to to tell somebody that 
the scary thoughts that you are having. Like I was riding down the road and all of a sudden I thought, this might be a good idea. This might be a good idea to drive off the road. Well, sometimes those thoughts are very, very real, but it doesn't necessarily mean that loved one or that person is actually going to drive off the road. So they need that open space to be able to say, hey, I might be having these thoughts, but I, and I don't know what to do with them, but I know I'm not feeling like myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Christy Hubbard. I appreciate it. I'm glad we were able to talk about it and talk about things that are maybe taboo in some way. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. And I want to thank Christy for coming in here to WTVM to uh, talk to us about uh, some of the issues that uh, folks just, you know, are underlying uh, and maybe uh, it can last for months or years and years without folks opening up about it. Um, she also sent me a message uh, saying that she wanted to tell people that, that she's encouraged each day by the bravery of others and amazed daily by people's ability to be authentic as they process struggles and experiences. I couldn't say it any better, Christy. And so uh, hopefully you get the help you need or family members do as well if you have issues with anxiety or depression. And we're going to uh, pinpoint on some of those issues as well with our final segments, including food for thought, some things I've found online uh, dealing with fitness and faith and how they connect with these mental health issues. This first one comes from the Mayo Clinic, and it says when you have, you know, depression or anxiety, exercise maybe, you know, perhaps is the last thing you want to do. Uh, once you get motivated, though, it can make a big difference, helping to prevent and improve a number of health problems. And you're talking of things like high blood pressure, diabetes, arthritis. Our research on depression, anxiety, and exercise shows it actually has psychological and physical benefits uh, that can improve your mood and reduce anxiety. Exercise may also uh, keep depression and anxiety from coming back once you are uh, feeling better. So getting uh, the blood flowing, getting moving, and uh, it can release feel-good endorphins, according to Mayo Clinic. Take your mind off your worries and those negative thoughts. It can help you uh, gain confidence, get more social interaction, and also cope in a healthy way. Now, the word exercise, uh, the Mayo Clinic admits, it may um, you know scare some people. Um, and it may make you think about running laps around the gym, but exercise can mean a whole lot of things, a wide range of activities, not just running, lifting weights, or playing sports like basketball. Um, it can also mean gardening, washing your car, maybe walking around the block, or maybe some less intense activities depending on your level of fitness. So any physical activity that gets you up and off the couch, couch to 5K perhaps, uh, can help improve your mood. And, and doing 30 minutes or more of exercise a day for maybe about three, four, or five days a week can significantly improve any kind of symptoms you have of depression or anxiety. That's according to the Mayo Clinic. And they also say smaller amounts of physical activity, maybe even 10 to 15 minutes at a time, that may make a difference as well. And on the faith side of things, this is from the St. Louis Dispatch, a contributing a writer from Woodlawn Chapel Presbyterian Church, Chris Christopher Keating says, well, there's plenty of panic, he says, about coronavirus, but it's also important not to give up church attendance for Lent, even though you've got health officials that are really even advising religious organizations, asking people maybe to stay home if this pandemic kind of grows and grows. Uh, there was a church sign that I actually saw once that said, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. <laughs> so uh, it's okay to greet folks with uh, a wave um, and uh, whatever, not perhaps 
a handshake, so you don't have to always come in that close contact. In fact, a study by a professor at Vanderbilt University found that people who participate in church, maybe they'll go to their church or synagogue or mosque, they actually tend to live longer. Middle-aged participants in that study who attended religious services on a regular basis displayed lower levels of stress and lower mortality rates than similar populations of people who did not go and worship. So uh, this uh, editor, uh, this contributing writer for the St. Louis Dispatch says, quote, go ahead and wash your hands, but otherwise consider giving up panic. This Lent, the life you save, may be your own. Uh, That's very, very good advice. And our parting gift for today, since we're talking about anxiety, uh, this is a perfect fit for this. In Philippians 4, 6 through 8, in the New King James Version, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we all want peace. So, uh, you know, we, we, we're, we have anxiety about things, little things, and maybe it comes out to a, a full-blown disorder. But God says, just give things to him, uh, make your request to him. He's going to give you a peace that we don't even understand. Uh, he's going to guard our hearts, guard our minds, because we're going to come up against obstacles in life and, and potholes in, uh, in life, some really big ones perhaps. And uh, we're going to have temptations. And so he's going to guard us, our hearts and minds, if we just make our request known to him and uh, be thankful to him and be prayerful to him as well. Speaking of that, we're going to close in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this uh, time together on this podcast, this opportunity to talk about you and talk about being fit and being mentally healthy and, and relying on you and not... Uh, not just uh, medicines and things in this world, but God, we know that you will send us to the right people to get help professionally and for those that need it and uh, just uh, guard our hearts and our minds, uh, help our families, bring any kind of healing that needs to be brought. And again, thank you for this opportunity to be here and talk about things that, that need to be talked about more and more as we deal with mental health issues that uh, sometimes or a lot, a lot of times only you can heal. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for joining us for this Run the Race podcast. Hard to believe we've been doing this for about uh, four-plus months now. You can go to WTVM.com slash podcast to listen to any of the past episodes. Also on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to go to the episode page there for Run the Race. Go to the bottom. There's a place where you can give it a five-star rating and also write a quick review. We're going to give some folks some shout-outs in the near future. Uh, If you write a review, and would love to talk about you on the air here. And uh, again, uh, we have some exciting guests coming up uh, very soon, talking about fitness and talking about faith and all kinds of things to make us better people overall. So again, thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, we'll see you.